Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Frank Agratz. Frank has worked in the energy lighting community for 25 plus years and serves as director of the CNI Engineering Department at Eco Engineering. He and his team develop turnkey lighting project opportunities, sounds a little bit like us, and provide technical and educational support to the customer. Prior to his current role, he co-founded Maneri Agratz Enterprises, a leading turnkey lighting retrofit provider. He serves on the Illuminating Engineering Society's Board of Directors as Vice President. Mr. Agratz is lighting certified by the NCQLP and is the outgoing uh, on the outgoing exam committee chair. He's, he is the outgoing exam committee chair. That's going to be fun. Responsible for that gr the group that develops and maintains the content of the annual LC exam. We need to talk about that, I think, for a bit, too. He graduated from Texas A&M University with a BS in industrial distribution. But folks, first we got to go light thing, right thing. Scott with the, Scott, Greg with the gangsters down at SATCO, S-A-T-C-O.com. I got to have a coffee here, but I'm messing everything up. Get fired up. <laughs> go to S-A-T-C-O.com, light thing, right thing, Greggy. That's right. Uh, so a lot of us lighting distributors, you know, we're selling LED lighting. That's common. A lot of people request LED lighting, sure. And some manufacturers only have LED, but SATCO has it all. And a lot of times people stop at LED. There's no reason to. With SATCO, you can get a request for a decorative fixture, and guess what? They've got thousands of them. Sure. And it's easy to find, and they can help you narrow it down. You don't have to be a lighting designer, no offense, lighting designers, but to sell decorative <laughs> fixtures. You can s send a link to SATCO, let the customer choose, sell the fixture, move on. They got so much stuff too. They have occupancy sensors. They, 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 Satco is just packed full of products for lighting distributors. So to go, you got to go to satco.com, maybe satco.com. And of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Get associated, get educated. Come on down, nail.org. We got a convention coming out in November. You can sign up for that. Details to come. But for right now, Frank, congrats. What's happening, brother? Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy to be here. Yeah, Frank, we're excited to talk. We've got a number of things here, but Ooh. I'm just looking at, um, you know, the first thing I want to know about, the IES involvement. So you, you said before we started recording, you recently became the vice president? Yes, yeah, so I've been involved with the uh, IES board of directors as an at-large director for the last four years. And I was recently uh, elected as the uh, vice president, which is a one-year term. And as uh, being a VP, you are also the president-elect. So I will step in into the president's role uh, next year uh, in, in July 1st. And who is the current so president it's, uh, right now? Uh, right now, it's Suzanne Settinger. Huh. And, uh, and again, the, both the VP and the president roles are our one-year terms. And uh, we are elected by our you know, 8,000-member uh, global community. And so it, it's an honor to be a part of the IES. Um, I've been a, a member f uh, um, for over 20 years now and uh, kind of worked my way up through the ranks, uh, becoming involved at the section level uh, on the board uh, there in Houston, uh, and then becoming a section president. Um, from there within IES, there are levels at the both the district and the region. And, uh, and so I found myself on, on the board um, uh, four years ago, and uh, uh, and so I guess it was my turn to uh, to help lead our our, our society um, in all of this era of change. There's a lot going on, as you know. The lighting library got got released, and we've kind of blown up the way we we view the lighting handbook, and uh, have really you know, made this digital transformation so that our members have access to documents. So. Uh, don't want to steal any thunder, but there, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, uh -huh. Things are, are moving at the IES, and uh, we're, I'm happy to be a, a part of it. So one of the things, so we, we are part of an association, as, as you heard in the ad, Nailed. And one of the, we actually run the management committee that manages Nailed now. And one of the, the Nailed is very small compared to the IES. Nailed kind of is under that IES umbrella, right, where... You have Nalmco, Nailed, NED would be in there with ALA, and then kind of the IES kind of umbrellas over those, and we all kind of work together, you know, as a an, an industry, right? But Nailed and Nailed's right. not nearly doesn't have the scope of the IES, doesn't take on the projects and stuff that the IES does. 
But I find this one-year president thing is so difficult to deal with. Like you, you just you, you're the president of Nailed. All of a sudden, you get a, we get a couple programs going, and you're building relationships with other associations. You're building relationships with the industry. And now you got to transfer. You you spend the first half of the year understanding what the person before you did. You'd send the second half getting good at it, trying to get ready to hand it over to the next person. It's a momentum killer. And then that person may or may not be good. They just, they happen to be the president elect the year before and the treasurer the year before that. And so you, you like, you just have this like way analog system of pushing people through these leadership positions, even the secretary treasurer of the IES or whatever the, whatever you guys call it, the financial controller or whatever you guys call it there. Um, like, how do you get a handle on it? It takes you six months just to understand what the heck's going on. And then by the time now, you're not treasurer anymore. Now you're president-elect. Move on to the next position. Are these legacy um, governance models, is it time to move away from those and have elections for, you know, four or five-year terms as presidents of these kinds of associations where people can get in there and really make a difference over a period of time? Yeah. From my experience, I found that uh, the way IES does work, uh, it, there is a little bit of kind of a, a moving train uh, type of philosophy. Um, you know, the good news is, is you know, most folks who are put into that vice president, president role, uh, they are involved with leadership, uh, you know, many times at the board level uh, before they get put into this role. And so, you know, in my instance, I had been an at-large director for four years sitting on the board. And if you do decide to take that jump and if the board of nominations, you know, uh, you know will have you, uh, it's now basically a three-year commitment. One is VP, one is president, and then also a third is past president. So, you know, I realize that president does have that one-year term, but you know, my personal involvement, I will have been in the board for seven years by the time it's all said and done. Um, hopefully being able to pass the torch to, um, you know, mentor and guide others as they come up through through the ranks. But you do make a good point. It is tough when you're just, if you were to have a one year in and out, it, it's hard to really uh, be effective. The good news is we do have a, a mechanism in place to to, to support those as they go through the term. Now, the IES has a number of excellent people working full-time for it. I know this is a, a volunteer role. Is that correct for you? Yes. Yeah. All of the, all, most everyone within the IES uh, is in a volunteer position, uh, whether it be at section leadership, district, region, um, all of those on the board um, are volunteers. We have day jobs. You know, we're in the industry just like you. Um, the only uh, exception to that is uh, we do have an actual IES staff. So we do have a headquarters in New York City. We have an executive director. Uh, you know, these are paid positions and they do report to the board um, for all the government governance and all of the kind of strategic thinking moving forward. And how active are you in this new search for an IES director? So I actually happen to be uh, uh, on the uh, executive search committee, and so we are actively looking for that that new um, director. Um, you know, the first part of this was, uh, you know, as um, our existing director had st uh, stepped down, um, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do we even need an interim executive director? And so there were, you know, pros and cons to both, but after evaluating it, we did decide yes. While we conduct our search, uh, we did need, you know, someone at the helm, uh, you know, f at the staff level to make sure that our, our strategic mission and vision is being carried out. And, you know, giving our staff that, that foundation and that stabilization while we search for the new director. Is that interim a potential new director or is that he only wanted it just for the interim title? Uh, that was part of the process. Um, uh, the interim is going to just be interim. And so um, as we conduct our new search, uh, there will be a, a new batch of people um, that will, you know, raise their hand and, and we'll have a, a very important decision to make that will, that will, you know, guide and lead the IES for, for many years to come. 
And what do you think, without going into real specifics, but what what does that process look like and when do you imagine that you'll have it filled? So again, without getting into too many details, uh, the, the, the general sense is that uh, we do have an executive search committee. Uh, we are in the process of putting forward um, um, a, uh, we're, we're looking for an executive search firm, a third party firm to uh, to conduct that search, um, they will, you know, screen all the candidates. They'll basically get that um, that short list of people uh, to our committee, and from there we will go through and uh, make the the final selection. Uh, you know, we anticipate, you know, uh, you know, at least a ninety day process to to make sure that we're getting this, uh, you know, conducted properly. Um, and only at that time, when we feel comfortable, uh, will you know we'll have the new director take their place. So, ninety days. It could be longer than that. You know, we're not going to to rush into this. Uh, the idea is that we get uh, a person who fits uh, the culture, who has, of course, the leadership abilities, uh, and someone who's going to be able to uh, carry out the strategic mission of of the IES. Good deal. Shifting gears, Mike, unless you want anything else on IES, I want to get to the NCQLP. You're the outgoing exam committee chair, I assume, another volunteer position for you? It is. It is. And uh, quite honestly, uh, um, as, I, as I realized that my role in IES was going to step up, um, I decided to step down from NCQLP. Uh, and and you know, many thanks to, to um, you know, to the leadership at Eco Engineering, who has given their full support behind me, um, it wasn't fair of me to try to to double dip on both of those because they're both fairly you know uh, exacting roles. Uh, so step down from NCQLP to kind of step up at IES, but uh, it has been a, a you know very nice journey through NCQLP. Um, you know, serving on the committee as a member um, for I think I joined in 2010. And then stepped up as the exam committee chair, I believe it was 2016, I believe, when that happened. So um, it's it's been a, a, a very rewarding role, and it was time for someone else to take the helm. And uh, it, it's been nothing but good things at NCQLP with respect to uh, the, the people and, and um, you know, affecting, you know, the, the that certification process for the you know three thousand plus LCs, it's been a it's been a rewarding experience. Frank likes to work for free, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do for us, Frank? We can find some. I got a couple jobs <laughs> real quick for you. Could fire off to you if you want. Um, I think volunteerism well, has its limits, to be honest with you, and I yep. think it's important that the IES has an executive director. Um, I think you know NCQLP. Um, I think they're trailing right now the industry and i think they need to there's there there's something that need that body needs to get a fire lit there and i don't know i don't have no idea how to do it um you know there but we need lighting certification now more than ever we need that 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 ncqlp to really get out there what can they do what should they do where are they at so very astute observation. Uh, I could not agree more. Uh, as I as I step out of the role, um, really it was the kind of the exam committee and the recertification committee. Uh, you know, those two committees were are the lifeblood of of the LC. Um, let me just say that uh, you're absolutely right, and the LC being uh, and certification in general being important to our our industry to our community. Uh, anything we can do to uh, to provide value and to remind people, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we submitting 36 LEUs every three years? Why are we taking this, you know, killer four-hour exam and, and stressing over it and, and studying and the exams and all of the, the, the prep? Um, there is value there. And so I think what we can do better as a organization there is to um, – you know, to really ramp up the marketing efforts uh, to uh, engage not only with our community, but externally. Uh, 
we need to let people know that having that LC moniker behind your name, uh, it means something. And it does help to it used to mean a lot from more. Those. It used to mean a lot more. I, I, that's my, just my perception. I'm not saying that, but I think, you know, a lot of the, um, you, back in the day, GE, Phillips, Sylvania were behind that program. Everyone was pushing in there and, and feeding into that. And there was a secret handshake, I think, when you got your LC and all these other things that, you know, there was like a community there. And I think, you know, like the way the IDA was decimated by the LED boom and just got pushed to the side, and said, no, we're going in this direction. I think the same thing happened to the NCQLP where they, the LED bulldozer just pushed them back. IES was in the same boat where, hey, we're not ready to move yet. We don't, we don't have a grab on this. But they, the, the, you know, and the DLC came along and said, no, we're in charge. And this is how what everybody has to make it to our standards. And I think what we're seeing is that pendulum start to swing back in my mind, what I see, I think the NCQLP needs to rebrand. I think they need to come out and redo their, like, I don't know if they need to redo it or just reemphasize it, come out hot right. with a social media campaign, um, and really start to re, re-communicate with the lighting end users that the LC is where it's at, brother. That, I mean, the whole nailed program, LS1, LS2, all the stuff we're doing, LS Evolve, that leads you to the LC, and we talk about that all the time. But amongst the industry right. out there, they, you guys need to reassert your authority. You guys, the NCQLP needs to come out hot, 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 and let people know that this is the two letters in lighting you want after your name, whether you're an engineer, a designer, a distributor, a contractor. You need us. You need our certification. Come get it. Let's go now. I think we, you guys really need to get excited and branded and hot. And I don't know. I'm just excited thinking about it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I, I, like it, you guys need to announce that before. And then right. you, you set that goal. And then you say, okay, okay, how do we get here now, guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we said it. Now how are we going to do it? Put some pressure on yourselves. Um, right. I think it's you know, so it's, important. Mike, uh, you must have been listening in on one of my conversations. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm I'm very happy that uh, uh, you know Bernie Erickson over at uh, FSG. Uh, he's now our uh, you know the president of nailed member, NCQLP. nailed member, mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, you know Bernie and I had some conversations uh, amongst other other folks. And uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, the time is now to reinforce LC's, uh, you know, position within the community, and uh, you know, right now uh, it is about the LC. Um, you know, there are other uh, letters that have kind of tried to to come up and and, and I don't want to say compete, but maybe to maybe fill some some gaps. Um, so let let's see what NCQLP does. Um, I've now officially, you know, stepped off as exam chair. I'm no longer, uh, my, my voice is, is no longer as prominent as it may used to be as of you know, last month. But uh, I, I appreciate you saying that because, yes, I, I do feel that the LC has a lot to offer. But if people lose that, that excitement, if they, if they don't feel there's value in that, they're going to look elsewhere. And where are they going to go? You don't, they don't, you don't need anybody's feelings. You need to strut like Conor McGregor walking in for a championship fight, brother. (laughs) Get those arms, move in, just let everybody know that this is the certification. That's what we did with Nailed. I mean, when we started the podcast, nobody knew about Nailed. Nobody knew anything about it. But there's a lot of people in Nailed. I mean, Sid Phillips is on that board, NCQLP as well, is he not? Mm -hmm. Another Uh, Nailed guy? Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. there's another nail yep. guy there. So, and our, I mean, I, I think it's time to, I mean, as much as lighting people don't want to do it and the volunteer organizations don't want to do it, you got to speak to your level of credibility. There is no credibility right. higher in the lighting business than those two letters LC. That is the highest level of credibility you can right. get in the lighting industry, period, end of the story. All other certifications in lighting are secondary. Everything else is secondary, and I think NCQLP needs to say that and scream it. And, and like I said, get those – what are you talking about, these other certifications? <laughs> we are the certification. 
And that yep. we did that with Nailed. We came out and we said, look, this is the organization for distributors. If you're a distributor of lighting you should join, the, and you're independent, you should join this association. And we're your voice. And NCQLP should do the same thing. We're the voice of lighting professionals, people who are serious about this industry, that have qualifications in this industry. We are the place you need to come to to get the credibility you need. And I, I can't say it's such an opportunity, but it could, you could get... You could get overtaken and by somebody could come in and steal it from me. And that would be a tragedy from the NCQLP that is, you know, from Frank Gratz, of course. Yeah, of course. And, and, and that is, that is always a, a kind of the, the lurking iceberg beneath. You just never know if and when. Uh, some, historically speaking, NCQLP has been, I think, a little bit slower to, to move. You know, for instance, I mean, we just last year moved to computer-based testing. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, a, a struggle to get to that point. Um, I've been a champion of that, you know, for, for years. And we finally, you know, it's unfortunate that it took COVID to help move us in that direction. Um, but we're there now. Uh, anything we can do, uh, you know, from the board of directors, top-down marketing, excitement, scream it from the rafters. Uh, I, I could completely agree with your uh, your Connor uh, mentality, uh, and so let's let's see what the board does. Um, you know, as it as it works out, the exam committee and the recertification committee they serve at the pleasure of the board. So whatever they can do to initiate this, really the ball is in their court to to move. So let's get in that ring and keep uh, you know. Keep uh, keep those LCs in there and and remind them how um, you know how much work that they've done and, and what that really means to to the community. I, I think it says a lot. No, I, I have my LC and I, I just got my email this morning about recertifying, so I'm going to be working on that. But um, how does the, the organization? You know, I've been in lighting for 15 years. I do this podcast, but I still don't really get NCQLP. Like, who's in charge? How does it structure? You know, all the background behind it. So uh, I'll, I'll briefly mention that the board of directors at NCQLP is really formed uh, uh, with these different uh, kind of associations. So, um, for instance, uh, the board of directors has a NALMCO representative, an NILD representative, a representative from the IES and the DLC and NEMA. So it's really this consortium of, of different industry players who are then assigned a point of contact. Um, and those are really the individuals that, um, you know, that, that set out the bylaws, that implement all of the uh, kind of the strategic thinking, the marketing, things like that. Um, there's also an NCQLP council. And again, these folks are, are designated based on their affiliation within the society. So on the council, you have members from the LRC, from NEMA, from NALMCO, from NYSERDA, and uh, from the IS. And, and those folks are also involved. Um, you know, think of them more as a kind of a board of nominations. They're there to help uh, um, make sure that the board of directors' um, positions are filled. And so they work hand in hand with the committees, such as the exam committee and the recertification committee. Um, those are the, the kind of the two, you know, elephants that help the NCQLP work. Is there any employees of the NCQLP or is everybody volunteer? Everyone, uh, much like the IES, everyone uh, is, is volunteer. Um, you know, they do have, um, um, you know, contracts in place uh, to help administer, uh, you know, all of the, um, all the certificates, you know, getting the recertification process. So there is a, a, a small, a small staff uh, that helps to process all that. So Got um, there, there's also the organization that administers the exam. I mean, that's the big one, right? The, the, the folks that have the test bank, the ones that administer the exam, uh, the ones that have all the locations. So within that research, that uh, candidate handbook, um, you know, traditionally, it had been those you know, 30 some odd locations where you'd have to drive to take the exam. Now, with computer-based testing, I think that number is closer to 2,000 locations. So 
if you live in a more of a, a rural setting, you wouldn't have to drive, you know, six hours to Omaha or to you know Chicago to to take a test. So a, a little bit of a little bit of a staff position, but mostly volunteer. And is the IES any stronger than anybody else, or they just have a, a seat at the table? Is it is it a, kind of a lead in by them saying we have to have this, or where did it come from? I guess maybe that's a bigger question. Who okay, it? so. Uh, Great, good question. Uh, in the early 90s, there was uh, an idea by the IES to have the certification, and it was actually called the TKE. Um, uh, that was a technical knowledge exam, I believe is what it was called. And uh, that got launched out there. Uh, the IES in those days realized, hey, we probably need to separate um, this exam, this process, this administration. And so uh, the NCQLP was born. So I believe NCQLP's first exam rebranded as an LC versus a TKE. I think the first exam was in 98, possibly 97. I may be off by a year. And so um, to answer your question, the LC was originally born out of the IES and got rebranded from TKE to LC. Um, as far as IES's involvement today, um, you know, we are just one voice uh, on the council, on the board. Um, IES does not run the NCQLP. They have no, uh, you know, no additional interest or perspective. It's a completely independent thing. Um, although if you go, if you walk on Light Fair or these other conventions, at least my perception has been a lot of people think the IES runs the LC. Because right. we do have that's the perception, a very sure. prominent, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and it's you know having putting on my IS hat, you know, I guess that's nice to be you know uh, to have that that consideration. But uh, other than running the exam prep course, which seems to be one of the more prominent ways to prepare for the LC, uh, and also by the way, most of the documents and references for the LC exam are all IES documents. So it's easy to it's easy to understand why people would think the IS is NCQLP, but that is that is not the case. You don't need a TKE, brother. You need a TKO. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I heard that too. <laughs> and there's just some old timers you can find who have still have their TKE. They may not be in their business card, but um, that's that's how you know if you if you were that that geeky and into it in the mid-90s, you probably had your TKE. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's born out of the legacy lighting um, trade, you know, that um, huge capital infrastructure in place from major manufacturers around the world. All of that got decimated by about 2015. And so now, you know, the, uh, you know, it looks like Tokyo after the firebombing of 1945. Everything's gone. What do we have left standing? There's the NCQLP. It should be standing out. It should be the beacon of light for the industry, in my mind. Like, this is where you can actually learn real information and get a real certification. If you can pass this test, you're a badass in lighting. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. Right. That's what I... It's like the bombing's done, everybody's gone, and there's like this one, the IES is there, and then, over, then there's the NCQLP nailed, they're still there, and here's what's left. Let's, I, I, it's a huge opportunity to rebuild right. rebuild with NCQLP, NCQLP as the center of all certifications, all roads lead to NCQLP. That's what, that's what I think we need to start acknowledging as an industry, Greg Eric. Come on, buddy. I agree. Yeah, we talked about the stepping stones a lot with that, and and you know that that's what I wanted to ask too. So I did mine in 2010. I got my certificate on the wall, so I had to make sure. So I, I had to go to a test center. It was in November, I think, and you get your four-hour time commitment. What does it look like now? Is it the same process, other than online capability? It's still four hours. Uh, you still have 180 items. Uh, you still have the 100 multiple choice. Uh, you've got the 16. Uh, case studies, each of them with five, you know, uh, five five items per uh, per case study, and so the concept is still the same. You know, I can tell you from the exam committee side, uh, you know, we have a very hardworking group, uh, anywhere from eight to ten to eleven members, and uh, we meet twice a year uh, to review all of the content. And so 
um, you know, may not many people may not realize this, but you know, to become to be able to have a seat at that committee, uh, you first have to go through a process of um, existing as an item writer. Uh, an item writer is someone who kind of serves uh, the exam committee. These are the folks who help write the test questions. And it's not so much the final question, or the final item, but it's the idea of an item. It's the kernel of an item. And so we ask all of our existing LCs uh, who want to become and to help contribute, uh, they first have to go to an item writer workshop. Uh, you just can't submit questions, right? You actually have to learn how to write test questions. Uh, you'd be amazed at the psychometrician, uh, the statistical, all of the things that go into building a, a multiple choice item that's not tricky. Number two, it has to, in this case of the NCQLP, it has to meet the minimum threshold, which is, is the minimum competency level of a three-year-old lighting industry practitioner are they going to be able to answer this question and that's the the line in the sand that we draw um, as we develop these questions uh, if you'll notice there are no items that are worded negatively right nothing's designed to be tricky or 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 you know even folks who are taking you know english as a second language we try to focus on the content now it might be ruthless, right? It might be something where if a salesperson or an agency rep takes takes the exam, there may be a question about controls or commissioning or the design process that they may not have the same level of of, uh, of knowledge. That's what makes the LC special. It is such a wide, diverse um, set of skill sets. Um, and there's one more part to it too, uh, because the LC is so uh, you know, widely, um, the questions are, are, are so diverse, uh, we have a job analysis. So, so every five years, we ask all of the LCs, we ask people from the lighting community, what are you doing in your job today? Uh, how do you work? What does your company do? And so that helps us to develop the, um, the, the question base so that it is targeting the engineers, the sales, the contractors, uh, the architects, uh, the installers, and everybody involved in the audit, design, commissioning, installation. Uh, we want to make sure that our exam fairly represents our constituents and our people within the community. So it is a constant evolving change. Uh, it's, it's quite fascinating. Um, you know, I've been in this you know, going on 11 years now, so I've, I've seen how the sausage is made. Um, but it is a quite a bit of, of to it um, with respect to how it's being made. So um, I encourage anybody who is an LC who wants to get involved, uh, you can learn to become an item writer. And if after being on, as an item writer for you know six months, six years, uh, once a seat becomes available on the committee, that's where I kind of my my, my role is as the as the chair was to go to my item writer bullpen, you know, tap the left arm and say, okay, we just, a seat became available. I need a lighting designer on the West Coast who knows about controls. I'll look at my list of item writers. Okay, this person, time to come on and join. So it's, uh, it, it, it's a, lot to, a lot to work through. It's, it's, been a, it's been a really good journey so far. NCQLP is an institution. Is that a good way to describe it? It's an institution, correct? Sure. The IES is an institution. The CDC is an institution. These are institutions. The Catholic Church is an institution. Institutions are designed in the, 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 the establishment of an institution is to resist change. That's the purpose of them, right? That's why they're, they're there to, uh, to pre prevent change. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't adapt right? Which is different. So when you're changing, you're kind of swinging. You're gonna, oh, it's time to do something different. And so the NCQLP is like, well, we don't do things different because we have a long history of graduates here, people that know the same thing. And we want to be sure and we recertify them every year. So we don't like to change, but I think it does need to adapt. And from what I'm hearing from you is that it is and it adapts on a regular basis. The question is, 
how do we accelerate that adoption of this? How would that happen to where now, like I said, the Tokyo firebomb has gone off and the Intel KLP is still there. Now, how do they put that beacon of light on the top? What is it that they should do to let the industry know that this is the certification you want to have? How do you guys do that? Or how does they, how do they do that? So great question. Uh, I think part of NCQP's continued success and, and, and rebranding, regrowth is going to be to get the message out. I mean, how many of your viewers even knew that there was such thing as an item writer? Mm-hmm, how many sure. people even knew oh, right. how to get on the committee? How many people knew that the committee even existed? Right? How Did many even know there's questions? an LC? <laughs> exactly. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you with that. I mean, yeah, right, right. there'll be a lot of people that are selling LEDs that listen to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast be like, what? I already have my energy manager and my LS1 and whatever. I'm good. But, you know, right. uh, yeah, I would say that definitely communication is super important for NCQLP right now. Yeah. And it, it all starts and ends with the board of directors. It is their charge to be proactive in maintaining the integrity of the LC it's their job, as, as it is my job in the, at the IES, to look forward, to see the trends, to see the hot topics, to, to get in front of uh, the slipping numbers or the rising numbers or w- whatever situation you know, they're in. Um, being able to promote, being able to, um, to, to reassure um, that this is you know, the credential to have. And, you know, and, and thinking about, you know, a lot of times Mike and I do stuff similar to this with Nailed. We just know you need to be part of it. Do we actually have to tell you why? What are the bullet points on why? LC, you know, I know I should get it and I got it, but why? And, and I'll give you one right. example in my area, at least that where I can use it, um, is there's a city in, in the Minneapolis market that when you do an outdoor lighting project, you have to have an LC sign off on the plan. So in the past, if you know my company wanted to do a project, we needed to find an LC to sign off on it. And sometimes we found it. Sometimes you had to pay for it, whatever it is. Now I can sign it. So there's one definable one. Is there other oh. examples you can give us like that? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good point. Um, in the old days, I, I think it got it got changed. But uh, there was a point in time when any work that was done by the GSA for the government, you had to have an LC as as a you know to, to sign off the design. Um, you know, one of the other um, efforts that that failed was when uh, EPACT was born. Um, they were trying to make it so that an LC would be one of the approved signatories. Right, right now you have to have a PE. You know, and no disrespect to engineers, but having a PE doesn't mean necessarily that you know lighting. There's no lighting engineers. There's no lighting. That's engineers. right. That's right. So. You know, you're either a contractor in the jurisdiction where the project is installed or you're a PE. And so we, we felt that the LC was just the perfect uh, instrument to help move that along. But anyway, lobbyists, government, you know, uh, not everything works out the way that you want. Um, you know, just as you were talking, it was reminding me a point of, of how, do we, how do we change, how do we adapt? Um, during the our exam committee session, there is, you know, this has been for the last six, seven years. The question always comes up, and we get comments from the people who take the exam. And by the way, we read every single comment that you put on there and have discussions about them. Uh, one thing that that gets said a lot is, how come there's uh, there aren't more LED questions on the exam? You know, why would I ever need to know anything about high pressure sodium? Or any other legacy. You don't. Technology. If anybody asks that question, they they got to go back to LS one because you're not ready for the LC, bro. <laughs> exactly. You're asking that question, man. You're not ready for this. I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, but yep. the obvious answer mm-hmm. is there is there are still existing conditions mm-hmm. that are not LED. You're still going to find a mercury vapor, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of uh, ceramic metal halide, plasma induction. They're all out there. Uh, just because you're not designing with them today in new construction doesn't mean that you don't need to know about them. So it's interesting. All education 
So when people talk about education, all you're studying is history. Okay? So if you study physics, you're studying the history of physics. If you're studying mathematics, you're studying the history of mathematical development. That's all. People, people don't, right. they seem to think that, no, I'm studying something new. It's, no, no, no. We're studying the accumulated knowledge of X, Y, or Z. And so if you're going to take a degree in physics and get a PhD, you're going to become a physics historian. I hate to say that, but that's, that's an actual a better way to think about education. If you're getting an LC, you're going to study, you should have, the hit, you should have a deep understanding of the history of electric light. Absolutely fundamental. You need to know how these sources work, why we use them, what their purposes were. And perhaps maybe it's time to re-reflect as an industry on why some of those sources, especially in the age of human-centric lighting, why some of those sources, what we didn't know about them and what we should know about them, particularly incandescent, its relationship to infra short, what do they call that, uh, infrared light, and how perhaps that's a very important human health aspect that can be incorporated in. Like you're studying the history of anything when you're studying anything. It's history. So if people think they don't need to understand about incandescence and how, why halogen was an upgrade from incandescent, but very much the same thing, except a, a, an energy efficient upgrade or and a color rendering upgrade or what? Or um, sorry. A, uh, a color temperature difference and the, all these little things that are different about these different sources, they don't understand, they don't want to be a PhD in lighting, which is basically what the LC is. It's like a practical PhD kind of certification in the lighting business. So if you have an LC, you should be able to go help some big contractor with lighting. You should be able to go work at a lighting design firm. You should be able to go <clears> and help <throat> engineers do their jobs. It's, and, and, and being able to do that, you have to understand the history of lighting. It's almost offensive if somebody right. were to were to say that. It's like, well, you don't want to be educated in lighting then if you don't want to know what how high-pressure sodium right. or mercury vapor worked. Sorry, I just had to rant there for a bit. I was hot, right? No, <laughs> no you, uh, you, you bring up a very good point. And I think one of the – as you're looking through this alphabet soup of credentials, in my mind, one of the things that really stands out is how – uh, wide focus the LC is. I should say not focused, right? It, it, it's it's a it's an entire um, series of practitioners, and so you could be, you know, in sales and engineer. It's designed for that general three year industry level lighting person, and so since it is so broad based, it it almost acts like an umbrella versus other credentials that are very narrowly focused. If you're on the contractor side or want to learn, uh, you know, how to install controls, maybe you're, you know, you take something from Nalmco, or if you're going to, uh, you know, get something from uh, uh, the American Lighting Association or something from, uh, get your, you know, CLEP, for example, or your CEM, uh, there's all sorts of, or your, your, uh, your CLD from, uh, from IALD, um, the, the kind of, it's the, uh, the lighting designer portfolio type of credential. In my mind, LC is the one, is the blanket that, that allows so many more people to be a part of it, knowing that that's, any one thing may not be your specific specialty. Uh, getting it tells, you know, the world that you've, you know enough about that to, to participate in, in the credential. What have the numbers looked like uh, as of recent? I mean, I know last year was a a tough one maybe, but has it been staying steady in terms of people taking the LC, decreasing, increasing? Where are we at? Um, you know, those specific numbers, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into to those types of, uh, um, not going to get into it specifically, but I just will, uh, you know, echo uh, what Mike said earlier with as far as the perception of the LC. Uh, mm -hmm. I think anything we can do to increase our numbers is a good thing. Um, so yeah, uh, there is always a good time for marketing. There is always a good time to get your name out there. Um, you know, I, I think moving to computer-based testing is going to help. Uh, obviously COVID was, was a disaster for, for all of us. And, um, you know, it's not surprising that numbers, you know, have gone down. Um, but the key is 
the recertification rate, which needs to stay high, and you keep need you still need to have new blood coming in, being those first time exam takers. That that is that is key. Um, so, anything we can do to to get the LC, um, you know, moving even better. Um, anything that the board can do at NCQLP to maintain the the relationship with with uh, with all the folks who have the credential, whether it be at Light Fair, you know, Education, Light Show West, Strategies in Light, um, maybe they could do their own podcast. You know, maybe they could shout from the rooftops, "Hey, be an item writer." Um, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, so let's just let's just hope that uh, um, that they you know take your words of advice. And uh, and start get, getting a little Connor on them. I I I, I, I like it. Yeah. Listen, man. You know, I'll tell you, um, it's existential, because and what what I mean by that is it, you're at one of these. It's a it's a um, what do they call that? With COVID nineteen, I said it was a, was marked an epoch, Greg. Remember, I said that to you in March mm -hmm. when they locked down. I said this marks an epoch. Nothing will be yep. different after this. And so, you know, what are we, a year and a half into 15 days to stop the spread, right? Epoch time, right? So with, with uh, NCQLP, you know, you can't lose, you can decline a little bit in new people taking the exam. You can blame it on COVID. You could say all this other stuff and, hey, you know what? But if you lose that installed base, if they start to lose faith in the LC, you guys are, it's big trouble time for the industry because there's nothing to replace it. And it's likely going to be replaced by Johnny come lately and the lighting marauders. They're going to come up with something, um, you know, and I hate to call them that, but I think everyone knows that's what we call it on the show. If you listen, people that come into the lighting industry, we need to creative destruction and all these kinds of things on, a, on an industry that, you know, there's a lot lighting is critical infrastructure, absolutely critical infrastructure for our society. It is at a level where it's militarily strategic um, you know, the, the Pentagon should be concerned about how the lighting in their, their, the electric light is working in their, in their country. And, and as a, as a, uh, militarily strategic item, if you can't keep your lights on, um, you can't fight a war. Uh, so, you know, the, how are you going to see? So you have all these issues around lighting. We need the NCQLP to step up and to start strutting. And I don't, I don't know how you do it, but definitely it, it you got the, the, the seam is open right now. Is it going to close? Right. Are you guys going to go through it? That's really the question. If if you go through it, you should just start swinging like Connor, Greg. But Frank and Gratz, I think we've gone almost over forty five minutes. We cut. We try to keep them to that. Um, any final thoughts for the listeners? No, uh, I, I appreciate uh, everyone tuning in. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to be able to to talk about NCQLP and IES uh, to uh, institutions that are close to. Close to my heart, um, you know. We always encourage those who do have extra time uh, to volunteer, right? It's, you know, the way I see it, it's about giving back. You know, I've been in this industry more than twenty-five years. I got started in the early '90s, uh, and all of that knowledge, I feel it's my duty to help give back, to mentor, um, you know, through governance, through strategy. Uh, you know, to your point, Mike of this is all a history lesson, right? And those who have had the history, let's share that with our our our, our newbies, with the with the rookies, and all of the bright minds that are coming up, so that we don't repeat the the mistakes of the past, right? You you bring in a new technology, and uh, let's not you know repeat the the the, the dimming fiasco of, of compact fluorescent right Let, let's learn let's educate our customers and let's be there for each other as we move through the space and connect with our with do our you know customers. what that's called what the, that that's interesting we brought up that the nclp is an institution what you're talking about there is a word very 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 words got a little crazy what you're talking about is the culture so a culture mm -hmm. what a culture does is passes on information to new people. That's exact. That's all culture does. So, what is the culture of the lighting industry? 
if the culture of the lighting in the last 10 years, when I started in lighting at Nailed, everybody, well, you go to a nail, everybody wants to help you. They're trying to pass knowledge on to you. They're trying to teach you trade secrets. And it's actually really unbelievable how much Greg and I learned from Nailed. It's really huh. unbelievable. how, And it's all soft knowledge. It's all talking to other people, meeting new people in your field. But that's what a, Nailed had a culture. And the LED boom smashed those cultures really hard. There's new people entering it that knew everything. I'm doing quotations for the listeners. They knew everything about lighting. Right. They just need to, everything needs to be ripped down here and destroyed and replaced with creative destruction and Silicon Valley. No, critical infrastructure we're talking about, brother. We, you can't come in here and just smash everything apart and hope for the best. So the culture of the NCQLP must remain that of passing on knowledge to the next generation. That's what the IES does. It passes on knowledge. It develops new knowledge, but through volunteer committees in the industry, and then passes that knowledge on and distributes that knowledge out. And the NCQLP is the gatekeeper to say, you know the knowledge, or you're proficient in the knowledge, or you're not, and, are, and every year it checks to make sure that these people are proficient. And so, Frank, I'm going to thank you for coming on the show. There's my little spiel at the end. But, Greg, before we go, come on, man. We got to go with they do the light thing. They do the right thing. The gangsters down at Satco, S-A-T-C-O dot com, Greg Eric. Right, talking about history and lighting. They've got it all. Ooh. And they've got all the legacy sources. they got the new sources. They, they know everything there is to need to know about lighting. So check them out. Get them on your line card if that's a word we use anymore. Sell their product. You know, <laughs> Satco is a history lesson. <laughs> so go to satco.com. That's right. They do the light thing. They do the right thing. And of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, where I learned everything I know now. And of course, Greg Eric as well. You can start your path to the LC with Nailed. That's right. Just go to nailed.org and sign up for LS1. That's the right place to begin any lighting career. Start it with LS1. That, that is built by Paul Hafner, RIP Paul. Love you, brother. I know you're. I know you're. You're listening up in heaven right now to get a grip on lighting podcast. But then you go to your L, your LS two with nail. That's right. So LS one and LS two are prepping you for that LC, and then you're ready to take the exam, brother. So go to naild.org. That's right. We're in, in alignment with the NCQLP. We love those guys. And at the end here, we always say we love you guys and gals out there that listen to the show. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>